0: Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. Two friends, casual conversation. Things of
1: Eternity. That's all it ever is. Cottage Studios, Independence, Missouri. That's us. (laughs) And we are just picking up from where we left off. We turned the microphones off. We closed our scriptures. We were heading out the door and we said, let's do another one. Let's do another one because I'm
0: in a place where I'm thinking a lot about our stewardship of the Book of Mormon and the message contained in the Book of Mormon, plain and precious, and to take away any ideas of stumbling that Uh, to take away the stumbling that we have um, in our understanding of God and the meaning of life and where we're headed and all things eternal that we need to know to find our way back to our creator so that we can be complete and enjoy him for eternity. That's the only place we'll be complete. It's the only place we can call home is back in the, the arms and love of, of the eternal God who loves us and created us to experience him. And so there's a lot of ministries, a lot of things going on in the world and we're told to, to love the children and the meek and the poor and, and to, you know, there's so many songs, be the arms and hands and feet of Jesus. And those are good things, but there's this book that contains this precious gospel that was buried in the ground for thousands of years, hundreds of years. Um, that that were brought forth and combined and given to us in these last days that came forth in just the last 200 years to a group of people, the Gentiles. And it says that they'll reject it. And I don't want to be one that rejects the message of the plain gospel found in the Book of Mormon. I don't don't want to walk through my 60 or 70 years or 80 years on this world uh, having this book and not knowing what to do with it, or not allowing it to change me as it explains to me who my creator is, mm-hmm. and and then I think extended to that is I get sad and frustrated at sometimes belonging to a body of people um, who don't understand the message or are confused and are stumbling once again because they've left the the plain and precious and simple message contained therein. Um, And so those things are sad to me, but the fact that I have this is, it's the Book of Mormon as I know it is to you, Corey, is very special to me and and I love it. I love to read it. It's one of those few times where I really feel safe in this world is when I'm buried in its words and I'm connected to the writers that we're experiencing the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and we're receiving messages from angels and then giving them you know, that I can read them today and know about my creator, those are precious times. But they're also, I don't want them to be selfish times, and I don't want it to just be me mm-hmm. and God. I, I want to know what my work is and what my purpose is mm-hmm. in this life. And I think as a people in the restoration, we've really, we've, we've had it hard. We, you know, we're not the first people to have it hard when you look at the grand history of the world. But in our short amount of years, we've had our struggles and we've had our, challenges to our faith, and we've probably become lost and wandering, if not now, many different times, and probably now, mm. and so we have to find our compass and and just hold on to that compass that's pointing us in the right direction, and it's the precious angel message, and it's the, the plain words in the in the gospel, in the Book of Mormon, that mm. brings everything else into reality. One of those concepts that has been, um, oh, a battle cry of the restoration is Zion, Mm-hmm. We sing hymns about Zion. Um, we're told that Zion is our hope. I grew up um, thinking of a group of people in Independence, Missouri, that would all believe alike and uh, would be righteous. And together we would uh, usher in the kingdom and build this righteous city and have righteous relationships and businesses. And, and uh, we moved here because of that knowledge that we are to gather to Zion. I want to look at Zion and quote the New Jerusalem in the Book of Mormon And see what exactly that message is and where it fits in, and what kind of hope can we have in that, and maybe even be willing to look at what kind of errors or um, false notions do we have about that so that it can have its proper place. What
1: do you think? Wow. Um, Well, I got to say two things. First, for everyone listening, um, when Mike, Shares as he just did. He doesn't have any notes in front of him. He didn't have anything premeditated. He's just speaking from the heart. I'm always amazed at you, brother. I oh, can't oh, do <laughs> it. I wish I could do that when I preach, but oh, I can't. <laughs> but no, it's like you were meant to do this. But it's like, yeah, that just all comes from the heart. Nothing written down. I love that. Um, I also love what you the word you use. Safe. That's that's the word. Uh, when when I'm in the Book of Mormon, I feel like safe. I feel refreshed. I feel like okay. I'm getting unambiguous truth here, right? And I can, I'm not going to have to wrestle or try to compare, you know, you you, you think about it, you never pick up the Book of Mormon and say, well, Nephi was saying this, but Jacob was saying that. It's not like people do with the Bible where, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. did he mean we are saved by our works? Like James said, works without faith. (laughs) Or did he mean like Paul said, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, So this topic of Zion and the new Jerusalem, um, yeah, that is there's so much refreshing information in the Book of Mormon to to start there and again uh the the story of Zion did not start in the 1830s with hey, this is a great idea. Let's have this Book of Mormon come forth and then let's tell everyone there's going to be a Zion and let's let's build it and gather to it and tell everyone else get here soon. Um this idea of God's kingdom on earth is sort of like the parallel of the Garden of Eden where, you know, mankind was with God in the beginning, we're away from God, but in the end, uh, the parallel is that we come back to God. And and the whole plan, everything of the prophecies, everything worked towards God reuniting with man and that the earth being his footstool is that uh, it's going to be his place of abode someday. It's like he was always from the beginning preparing this place to be his home with us too right but we you know be sin can't inhabit obviously where the evil is so the evil has to be gone and that's a good telling quote you shared hey when men keep all my commandments i think you shared it in the last podcast about when men keep all my commandments Zion will again come to the earth but our problem is that isn't the only scripture about zion and, and more to the point uh, that isn't the only condition. And that's probably the problem that we've got in the restoration is that because we know that scripture and we all know it so well, we've sort of been led to believe that, hey, if we could just keep the commandments, Zion would have been here, you know. And and this is where the education of the covenants is important and understanding the promises. So, um, so that's a good place to start us, I think, with what are the actual covenants and promises and why is there even a Zion,
0: you know. I agree. Uh, in the restoration heritage, in the inspired version, we, we uh, come to know about Zion early on um, in Genesis, and we hear about this city of Enoch and that it was caught up to, the, um, to heaven. It was taken up, you know, the, the city of Enoch was caught up unto God and basically taken off this earth. And prior to that, there was a man, Enoch, preaching righteousness and preaching the gospel, and I i haven't looked this up. I swear I've read it read it before a number of times, but I think, I'm pretty sure in the Old Testament, does it not say that God came down and walked with them in unique yeah. city? Yeah,
1: uh-huh. that's the only part that's really left with uh, in the King James Version, because we get our understanding from the inspired version Um but in the King James, it only says, you know, Enoch walked with God. So, you know, you could read that and take it to mean, oh, well, he abided in his commandments. You know, you could, he walked with him. But, but in this account given through the inspired version, it's much more specific that you know God dwelt among the people. God dwelt there, among them, right? And then we would take that to mean Jesus Christ in the physical sense, right? You know, unless I, I think so. Yeah. Um, we know, you know.
0: The stories of the disciples baptizing thousands and thousands after Pentecost, after they had, they had spent time under Jesus. And then we have the, um, the Book of Mormon age where they, they had uh, several hundred years of righteousness after Jesus had appeared to them. So I think there's a good reason to believe that when Zion is established
1: again, that Jesus will be with us. Mm, yeah. And you know, one thing I got to point this out is Zion is this idea that heaven and earth come together again and God is among his people and his people will obey him and there's peace, there's no more death, all these Attributes which are correct, it isn't Zion, isn't just because there was an Enoch city and it got taken to heaven, and that the fulfillment of Enoch city comes back. I mean, the concept of, of Zion being God's kingdom on earth was from the beginning, you know, it didn't start just because of Enoch city, but that's that's a key part of it, and that's sort of what we I think look to as Zion being complete when that city returns, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of seals it, right? And I think there's some scriptural stuff to that, but um. For me, I think one of the most uh, telling scriptures comes from the brother of Jared's records of the book of Ether and this account that it's interesting because Ether, who was this prophet who came from the Jaredite civilization, um, he he lives until basically the Nephites discover the remnants of the civilization, which had existed for a long time on this land before them and finds their bones and finds this record. And so, it's interesting because Ether wasn't part of the House of Israel, nor were the Jaredites. They all preceded the House of Israel. They left, you know, after the Tower of uh, Babel. Is it Babel or Babel? I'm never sure. I don't know, I, but my mind
0: was just blown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know that I know that the uh, the plates of Jared or the, the 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 Book of Ether is a couple thousand years before Christ. Yeah, I never. I just never put two and two together that
1: just preceded the house of Israel. Isn't that something? (laughs) You just said that. Yeah. Well, so so Ether is even talking about the house of Israel, but it's in prophecy. It's like God's showing what's going to happen to this group of people who stayed back in the homeland and they're going to come over here too. But they all left way before Israel, you know, but Tower of Babel and all that was before Abraham.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I knew it, but
1: I never consciously knew it. I never thought about it. And, And we know there were millions of people survived or created here on this land who survived for centuries because this the land bears record of it. All the mound builders and stuff it was extensive throughout the United States, North and South America's, but even also from the gruesome fact where it describes their wars and how in the end it talks about how millions were killed and and that this society, this where this information about Enoch City comes from, it's 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 way before Israel, but it, it also um it prophesies of them and it's, it's interesting because it talks about how their covenant would be on this land to where this would be built up. the city would be built up here and how the old Jerusalem would be built up. And and this is all seen from someone who wasn't an Israelite. You know, it's just kind of interesting. That is, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I, I can't believe we're, uh, it's just duh and we have this in our hands we can
0: hold it I right. know I'm yeah. geeking out right now because right. we're sitting in a basement uh, you know halfway under the earth in the middle of Independence mm-hmm. Missouri talking about records that are giving us insight into things that happened over 6 thousand years ago yeah. and insights into the plan of what's coming for all of us the the grand finale it's every <laughs> yeah. once in a while my I, I just I just wig out at that because it
1: it's it leaves the mundane to, uh, wow. <laughs> and, and, and that, you know, exactly. It's kind of like, and that this is reliable and this is safe and this is something we can put our trust in. And and what I was, I, my mind went in a different direction, but coming back to the point I want to make about Ether is that the brother of Jared is told that when they come to this land, this predates Israelites coming here now, says there would be none greater and the nation which I shall raise up to me of the seed of thy seed upon the face of the earth. This is Ether chapter 1, verse 20. This is what God is telling the brother of Jared. I mean, at the Tower of Babel times, he's saying, I'm going to take you, and there will never be a nation as great as yours. These people were unified. You find this in you know some of the record of the mound building throughout the Americas, the the consistency of things meant that there had to be a unified government. There had to be a unified understanding of uh, accounting and measuring and mathematics and science to whatever level they had it. Because you see these consistencies in the way the people lived a couple thousand years before Christ throughout here. And then in the more recent history, you find a lot of variation where the people weren't unified, but where it says there was none greater. I mean, this was expansive the, the, what happened among the Jaredites here in the Americas. And then, even the it's interesting because the people we call native Americans today who are the descendants of some of them Lamanites, you know, maybe not every one of them, but, but the the point is that the people who lived here, when our explorers in the time of Columbus and later, um, the Indians who lived here had no knowledge of who these people were either. It's like they were they were just as in awe of who made all these mounds and everything else that, that were here on our land. So there's so many unknowns and the little bit we have though comes all from this record of Jared. So that great nation, if if
0: he says none greater, you have to you know, there's debates over geography and, and this is a place of the Book of Mormon or that. But I have to imagine that wherever they landed and wherever their their hub was that they through time, must have spread out all over this continent. I was watching a video the other day of these, was it the Peru Mountains? There's these water systems and things up there they've uncovered that are still working today based on that fertile – and it's funny because they attribute it to, this is so weird, half the time they want to attribute them to aliens. I like, know. Like there's, know, because they're- They couldn't have like, figured this out. Right? This is such a wise culture Well, if God says no nation will ever be greater, certainly the intelligence of God was here. Maybe you're looking at the creation of the Jaredites 2,000 years before, not 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 aliens that landed. Yeah, exactly, <laughs>
1: yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah, let's take our mind totally away from God and just, you know, it couldn't be that God inspired people's minds.
0: Yeah, and gave them a, uh, so that's crazy when you talk about, about the mathematics and, and just the, and
1: yeah. so then
0: people later find all of these earlier,
1: yeah. And so this, this in this account of ether starting in chapter six in the RLDS version, um, this is where we get. Really interesting information about this new Jerusalem. Now, I I researched this recently, and the word Zion, if you word search it in the Restored Covenant or probably the 1908 works or even the LDS version, um, I think it appears about 49 times in the Book of Mormon. But what's interesting is that probably about 44 or 45 of them are quotations of Isaiah that are contained in the Book of Mormon where Isaiah is talking about Zion. Which would be... Another
0: word for the city of David or Jerusalem?
1: Yeah, Israel and you know Zion, and and basically, um, it's it's used to mean kind of different things, but it is, I think, used in a in the prophetic sense of God's kingdom coming back. But sometimes. Isaiah mourns over Zion and it's basically Jerusalem being, you know, the, the what he's seeing prophetically going to happen to them. So it's kind of like, it depends on the context where it's used. Sometimes it's a prophetic thing about a future for us. Sometimes it's a description of what Israel and Jerusalem was back in the day. But so there's about, I think there's about 49 times. And the number doesn't really matter other than to say that the the other five times or so are Nephi and Jacob referring back to Isaiah, they're kind of re-quoting, and, and they're usually talking about the prophetic sense of Zion being this this future thing on the, on the earth. Well, what's interesting, and I'm not saying they're not connected, is that when Ether 6 talks about the new Jerusalem, it actually never uses the word Zion here. And that just jumped out at me. It talks about the new Jerusalem. And it's interesting because we can tie this back into something in the Bible. Now, you know, I kind of geek out anymore about parallelisms, and I'm going to refrain here. But when I was reading recently Ether chapter 6 about the new Jerusalem and the old Jerusalem that we'll get into here, um, I realized this whole, I don't know, the first 20 verses or so is, a, is multiple parallelisms. And I'm just going to mention what a few are rather than pick them out every time we pick up. You have a parallelism of gatherings. You have the people of Joseph's remnant being gathered in America, and you have the rest of the house of Israel being gathered to the old Jerusalem, the old land. That's a parallel, but there's a parallel of gatherings. There's a parallel of a new Jerusalem and an old Jerusalem, just the cities, but they be, both become holy cities. Um, there's there's parallels of, um, well, I, I can just leave it at those two right now, but there's there's more, there's... There's a par- parallel, I guess one more, of a city on the earth, which is a New Jerusalem, a physical city to be built. And that parallels, and that's called the New Jerusalem, a New Jerusalem physically built on this earth by the remnant of of Joseph. And there's a parallel of the New Jerusalem, which is this heavenly realm, Enoch City, and maybe even more, whatever that means, that comes to earth. So so we get physical parallels of, of those things, Old Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, the physical City and a spiritual city, and so this one uh, introduction of twenty verses brings all that out. Well, uh, there's questions I have, and I'll say this up front too: uh, when I read the this portion in the Book of Mormon, the question I have regards when it says "new heaven and new earth," and the reason I have this question is because it matches exactly what Revelation says um, about when Zion comes back, this new Jerusalem from heaven. I'm talking about the spiritual city, new Jerusalem. And, and I'll tell you the conflict up front, and then we'll see if the scriptures explain it. And I'm not sure I can explain it either. So what I'm sharing is just uh, from the heart. I, I have questions about this because I've always heard something, and maybe this is where, again, our challenge as people in the restoration is we have to begin to be able to separate oral tradition, things we've heard, from what the Word says. And and come back specifically to what the Book of Mormon says to set our platform there, and so when New Jerusalem comes to Earth, according to the Book of Mormon and Revelation, if if what we're reading is in chronological order, I'll qualify it this way, seems to be that the New Jerusalem comes at the end of the millennium, not the beginning when there's a new heaven and new earth. Now that was going to shock some people, and it might even be shocking you on the other side of the table. But our concept when we read Genesis nine has always been well hey the new jerusalem coming down from heaven is what ushers in the millennium you know hey and and if we we kept the commandments and somehow zion is here now we're going to have a thousand years so the the contention that i've got in a question is are we reading this right or wrong but we have a thousand year reign does this new jerusalem Come down from heaven at the beginning of the thousand years, or does it come down at the end of the thousand years? And so I'm going to say that, and then let's read some scripture. Sure, I, no, saying. no, I know, I know everything's going to be. I'm not uh, going to leave you on the edge, but I'm vetted say, in scripture, so let's look at it. Well, and again, this is why, this is why it's important that we open the word and we're open to it. And I'm not trying to push or influence one way. I'm just telling you, I've had these thoughts recently, and. I've studied this three or four times. And if you want to look at some of these scriptures quickly first, if you just scripture search, like all three books, new heaven and new earth, uh, those words themselves, they, they they will take you to scripture that brings up some of these reasons I have some questions. Well, nevertheless, so if we start looking at Ether chapter 6, and I'm going to just read a little bit. Uh, so, now Moroni is, um, he's paraphrasing some of the words that he got out of these 24 plates of gold. Um, Moroni says, I proceed to finish my record concerning the destruction of the people which I have been writing. He's talking about the Jaredites. For behold, they rejected all the words of Ether, for he truly told them of all things. Now, this is interesting. Ether was telling them everything in the future. From the beginning of man, and how that after the waters had receded from off the face of this land, it became a choice land above all other lands, a chosen land of the Lord. Wherefore, the Lord would have all men that they should serve him, which dwell on the face thereof, and that it was the place of the new Jerusalem, which should come down out of heaven. So here's here's kind of the first thing, is that Ether's telling them this is choice and the, the spiritual city. Remember, I was saying there's these parallels of the physical and the spiritual. He starts off with this physical, or the, the rather the spiritual city. And this new Jerusalem, which will come down out of heaven. Now, he doesn't say when. He says, it will be and the holy sanctuary of the Lord. So that was verse 3. Now, verse 4 says, And Ether saw the days of Christ, and he spake concerning the new Jerusalem on this land. And he spake also concerning the house of Israel and the Jerusalem from whence Lehi should come, that after it should be destroyed, it should be built up again, a holy city unto the Lord. So here we get a new Jerusalem on this land and then the old Jerusalem, he he states, wherefore it could not be a new Jerusalem for it had been in a time of old, but it should be built up again and become a holy city unto the Lord and it should be built up under the house of Israel. So we have. So you got like Israel, you got like Jerusalem 2.0.
0: And then you have the new, new Jerusalem. The, yeah, yes. <laughs> the right old there. Jerusalem will be building
1: in. Right, like, the old Jerusalem. All right, that's going to be the 2.0. But they don't call that the new one. They call the one on this land the new one. So so we're talking physical city. So, And then he says, this is why it's important for us to understand, too, that this new Jerusalem isn't built until the remnant of Joseph comes back to God's word because... Well, it explains right here. So starting at the next verse 6, so that a new Jerusalem should be built up on this land unto the remnant of the seed of Joseph, for which thing there has been a type. For as Joseph brought his father down into the land of Egypt, even so he died there, wherefore the Lord brought a remnant of the seed of Joseph out of the land of Jerusalem, that he might be merciful unto the seed of Joseph, That they should perish not, even as he was merciful unto the father of Joseph, that he should perish not. So here we get a another parallel where he's saying, "Hey, this new Jerusalem is going to be built up to be like the saving place, also uh, by the house of Joseph, but also for them on this land." And he compares it with how Joseph saved his own family, saved his father in the famine, how they came and got food in Egypt. You know, they left the Jerusalem, the land of Canaan, where they were from. That's where Jerusalem would be built up one day, the land of Canaan, because there was no food there. And they come to this foreign land and, Joseph's family is saved there by Joseph, Mm
0: -hmm. nurtured there by the
1: Egyptians, and they live there for 400 years. That's how the story of Moses evolves, is because it's the descendants you know, it's been as long as like John Smith and the pilgrims in Jamestown and stuff till now, 400 years from the time that Joseph was there doing his thing. And now you think we got all this America and everything huge. Well, the Israelites, you know, they weren't thinking so much, We're here because of Joseph, this is just their land now. But he's saying just like they were starving and he saved them. Then he's like, okay, Joseph's people are going to do the same in the future. They are going to build up a holy city and they're going to help save Israel from starving. Now Israel gathers, you know, some of Israel gathers here, specifically the remnant of Joseph, some of Israel gathers to the old Jerusalem, but we'll get get to that next. But there's a type. Two
0: countries with the highest uh, Jewish population, hey, yeah. Israel and the United States.
1: Yeah, 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 right. And so <clears throat> there's also a promise to Joseph, and this is, it's not secondary, but it goes along with this, uh, that back in the days of, Um, you know, Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob became Israel with the 12 sons. There was a promise that Joseph's seed would never die out. His people would never die out. And this is one of the reasons why they were brought to uh, this America, you know, so that there would be a remnant saved. Um, Also, that Joseph was the one planted by the well, and that basically means that by the well meant, hey, this well of Christ, that they would have a testimony of Jesus Christ, which we've also seen from this record. But continuing with Ether 6 at verse 8, wherefore the remnant of the house of Israel shall be built up upon this land, this land being America, and it shall be a land of their inheritance, and they shall build up a holy city unto the Lord like unto the Jerusalem of old, and they shall be no more confounded until the end come when the earth shall pass away. So this is interesting that when this city is built up, it remains, okay, until there's like a new heaven and a new earth starting from this physical city, right? That they're going to build up a city. That's how I read it anyhow. I could be wrong. But um, we're going to get to the the part that, is, the good part, but the part that raises uh, questions for me. And that's simply based on what I've always heard versus what the word says. So it says, <clears throat> um, and they shall be no more be confounded until the young come when the earth shall pass away. Now this is verse nine. And there shall be a new heaven and a new earth. And they shall be like unto the old, save the old shall have passed away, and all things become new. Well, that all things become new is interesting. When Jesus comes among the Nephites, he says, hey, I make all things new. That's why they're rebaptized, and he gives his doctrine, and they live in peace. Well, he, he makes this statement again, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, I make all things new, Right. I'm not sure if the statement is made at the beginning of the millennium or not, but I think it is too in another scripture. And I'm saying that just because I don't remember, but I don't want to get off track. But notice the flow of these scripture verses from verse 9 to 10. I'm going to reread 9, but I'm going to continue into 10. So we read this 9, and here it is. And there shall be a new heaven and a new earth, and they shall be like unto the old, save the old shall have passed away, and all things have become new." now continuing to 10, and then cometh the new Jerusalem, and blessed are they which dwell therein, for it is they whose garments are white through the blood of the Lamb, and they are they who are numbered among the remnant of the seed of Joseph, who are of the house of Israel. And and so he just said, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and now is this chronological, because the next verse says, and then cometh the new Jerusalem? you know Because he starts off, If you complete this chiasm, the first thing he does in verse three is he says, hey, there's going to be a new Jerusalem, which is going to come down out of heaven, right? And now in verse 10, he says, after there's a new heaven, a new earth, in verse nine, he says, and then cometh the new Jerusalem. You know, is is that referring to the same Mm. thing? See where I'm getting at?
0: Yeah, it's one of those where (laughs) are they bouncing around in the timeline? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or are they, uh, or is it a a chiasm that...
1: um, Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I'm not sure. I I don't know how that connects. And the reason is I just because I got to add this from Revelation. So now if you turn your Bible to Revelation 20 and 21, this is this is why I'm puzzled, because I, I don't know. I mean, I know I know what we say, but I'm not sure if we're always reading the scriptures correctly either.
0: I love that the great computer guy always still has his three books and he pulls them open and they're just like written and marked up and and still reads out of the
1: actual physical book. I've told you. I know
0: you love to hold the book.
1: I I prefer the book. And it's like, you know, as much as scripture searching has its place, there's no substitute for me to just have the book in my hand. That's what I prefer. Um, I feel safe. (laughs) But so in Revelation 20, we get this uh, statement where. Revelation 20 is all about the thousand years. And I'm not going to read it all, but we see this angel coming down out of heaven, this bottomless pit. Satan's thrown in there. He says, till the thousand years are ended. And then he sees people come forth and they. it says they live and reign with Christ a thousand years, but the dead live not again till the thousand years were finished. So we get this description and, and that's the millennium, right? But it doesn't mention the new Jerusalem yet. And then in the end of 20... It says, finally, you know, this is when the sea gives up its dead, death and hell deliver up their dead, and then whoever isn't found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. So that's at the end of the millennium. You know, Satan had his time, his little season. That's in the middle of that. So 20 is all about the millennium. But 21, this is, again, like you said, is it bouncing around or is it? Chronological here because everything else in Revelation seems to be somewhat chronological. Now I say that, and it's probably not good to say that without going through it. But this is the point. Verse chapter twenty-one, verse one, then says. Now remember, verse chapter twenty, verses fourteen and fifteen, finish with death and hell getting cast in the lake of fire. Now the next chapter says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now, this to me nails it right here because he says, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And it says, and the great voice said, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, I take that to mean different things. You know, Jesus is... If, if we've, as we've said before, God in the flesh, but that's because we haven't been transformed to be with him, right? And so in the millennium, you know, Christ reigns, but in the new heaven and new earth, you know, I, I think everyone's changed into immortality into a different sense. And it's like, now it's describing God. It's like the servant of the vineyard, right? And then mm-hmm. the master of the vineyard, as you pointed out. And this whole, the whole rest of Revelation 21 describes how now there's no no more pain, no more death, all these things are done away. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, it has to be in that new heaven, new earth, because Satan was let loose out of his prison for a while, so there's going to cause some pain and going to cause some anguish again, even though it's the millennium at the end of that time. You know, when the millennium starts, it isn't the end. It isn't like now all the pain is done and everything, because we know there's a thousand Mm -hmm. years of peace, but there's going to be a dark period,
0: right? yeah, it's it's going to be wonderful, but but not the ultimate wonderful.
1: Yeah, it sounds like that's what it, exactly, and this is what I'm getting at. But <clears throat> so take this back to Genesis now. So I've read these scriptures not to try to cause anyone to doubt. Please don't believe or, or be confused. But I'm just reading what they say. And if we if we read Revelation and say, hey, after the final judgment, then he sees a new heaven, and new earth, and then he sees this holy city coming down. Isn't that exactly what Ether records? Right. He's saying well, it could be. Anyhow, maybe not. He says after there was a new heaven and new earth, then cometh the new Jerusalem. I think he's talking about the the, the spiritual one. Well, going back to Genesis now in the everlasting covenant, this is how it. I think it ties in. And again, I I think I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I'm just trying to compare all these scriptures and make sense of it. If As we've been led to believe, hey, if we're just good enough, Enoch City comes down and then the the millennium starts. You know, I think that's kind of how we've grown up to believe that's what it meant. Yeah, build Zion. Build Zion, yeah, and then Enoch City's coming and then we have this timepiece. I think what the scriptures are saying is something that's actually more profound and Genesis actually fits into it if you read it according to Ether 6 and Revelation 21 in this regard. It says, when men keep all my commandments, Zion will again come to the earth. Well, isn't that what the ultimate goal of the millennium is, is that by the end, everyone keeps all God's commandments and it isn't necessarily at the start. This is all the prophecies of God setting forth his hand a second time. You know, he says, I'll be with you in power. The word is going to go out to the world. Nations will flow on design to learn of her ways. That means if they're learning, they haven't got it all figured out yet, you know? And and I I'm just wondering if what Genesis 9 has always been saying was not a condition that hey if you would just keep the commandments you could have all been back in Zion now. It's more a description of the condition saying hey by this time that Jesus has been among you you guys will have been perfected and at this point heaven and earth have to come together because you guys your hearts have changed. You're- right.
0: So what does that how does that affect our hope? I mean, look at the look at the difference if if we focus on If we can just keep the commandments and have, you know, Zionic, businesses and Zionic relationships, and we can, you know, build this righteous city and gather together and buy up the neighborhoods. If we can just do that and keep the commandments of God, Zion will come back on the earth. You're looking at a lifetime and, and generation after generation of disappointment. It's not going to happen that way. It's just not. It's just people have never done it in the history of the of the world without the direct intervention of God and, and Christ. Uh so I, th- I think that's kind of been the mindset that we gather to Zion and we have not that any of those things are bad and they're all a part of learning and growing and loving one another. I'm not saying that those are any bad ideas. I think they're all good ideas that, that you know, hospitals and rest homes and things that are set up for our people to be ministered to throughout their life. All of those good things that uh, the church has been a part of, I think are all what we say Zionic endeavors or or righteous endeavors, or trying to live like Christ would want us to live. But the the be-all, end-all of this Zion being established on the earth and Christ reigning, we're, we're not going to get by our own efforts. And that that's where our hope, I think, becomes dashed as we see fragmentation and division in the restoration. Like, well, we have to come together. We have to be one. We have to set up the church so that we can build Zion. It's like, don't put your hope there you know put your hope in what the story says in the scriptures and what you see playing what you see being played out in the world right now and knowing where kind of like you know what's going to happen in this story and what's the great thing to look forward to is Christ returning to usher in this this time together this this learning and growing and becoming righteous, you know, to another level of where we can go right now on our own.
1: Exactly. That's what the millennium is about. It's growth. It's it's, it's experiencing life the way God intended it, but continuing to grow in him, you know.
0: The other thing you mentioned was a, a new heaven and a new, or I make all things new. So when Christ came to the Nephites, or you read that scripture, and, and he says, "I I make all things new, or I, I'm making all things new among you. <laughs> It wasn't. There's going to be a different kind of things being all made new, where 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 you know leaves and things don't die, and where uh, there is no death, and that the great changing of the earth was still in under the bondage of sin when Christ came to the Nephites. That didn't all change, but we're we're looking at when you say new heaven and a new earth, like a real new heaven, holy, perfect as it was in the beginning.
1: Right, because, you know, you take this back to the level of even in 2 Corinthians 5, where it says in uh, verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Well, it's like, you know, I hate to be real specific, but that probably doesn't mean you get a brand new spleen and new kidneys and all that stuff. You know, when you come to Christ, it, it was used figuratively in terms of this. But I'm just saying, here's another place where it says all things become new, right? Well, yeah. not all things physically, but, you know, your new your new opportunity in him, that became new.
0: Have you, I don't want to get you off track because I, I know you're going through the scripture. This is, this will probably be several episodes. But what I, I, I was thinking, have you ever thought, because we talked last time a little bit about Adam and Eve in the fall, uh they were so Adam and Eve were removed from the garden but it also says that they walked with God and then they were re- removed from the garden and it says I sent the cherubim or the flaming sword to keep them from entering back into the garden yeah if there is do you think there's a chiasm there or a, or a parallel from like in the beginning was the garden of Eden where everything was was perfect and there was no death and then in the end, there'll be this perfect existence where God walks among us. Um, is is there anything that ties those two together? And my other thought was this: were were Adam and Eve physically on this terrestrial ball, this Earth, or was it a different realm? Because where where is physically where would the Garden of Eden be, and where is this angel with this flaming sword to not let men enter? Yeah, or was it? Was it a heaven and earth that will become new again that it's in this? I don't know. That's something to think about.
1: Yeah. That's interesting, too. It makes me think, uh, I think, in Nephi's vision, too, where he sees this wide gulf that separates the righteous and the wicked. And he said the sword of his justice is in the middle. He used that term, the sword of his justice, and it sends to heaven. It's like that angel representing by blocking their entrance back to the Garden of Eden is kind of symbolic of this is God's justice in a way that this is separating you from coming back because of your sin. You, you know?
0: think it was a real? You think there's a real?
1: Oh, they probably saw something real, but you know, <laughs> I, I, who knows? I think in the in the end that um, you know, you you don't know if some things are always in that description a literary device you know or if it was physically you know it probably was they were probably kicked out and they saw this and that's how it got recorded well, but, I, but i think there's a greater symbol of it. i just
0: wondered like how this world existed then because yeah. we we know certain things transpired after the fall in the garden and i th- that's where like The rain that was kept back came down, and the face of the earth changed. And and perhaps the well, we know the flood and the waters and the land were separated. Um,
1: I think everything. I I just, I, I think because it talks about
0: that going back at the end. What you just read
1: somewhere where the waters were, (laughs) yeah, no more sea. Yeah. Well, well, here's the, here's what I think everything changed in an instant when the sin happened. You know, the man who received this. you know, they weren't even aware of their nakedness or whatever. All of a sudden, they feel this guilt. Well, I don't know if it was in the same moment of that time, but I, I lean on a couple of uh, the lost books of Eden, books that weren't included in the Bible, but that are historical records written by people in times B.C. The The one account actually says, you know, when God created Adam, that the angels... Well, it says when Adam, you know, was approached by an angel, he you know, he feared in the angel's presence, but when God created Adam in his perfect form, that the angels feared in Adam's presence, you know, makes a statement. Now, again, that's an extra scriptural description, but I think that it points out to this whole creation of the earth and Adam and everything had a perfect form, you know, without sin, without defect. And then when sin entered in, everything took on the defect. And the, the man, it said in the same extra scriptural reference, it said when he received his, and it uses this term, animal body. Now, I think that's an interesting term because this is why I think it's almost silly now that evolutionists and creationists debate evolution because what we're finding, I think, is that God who made this earth and then he made two things. He made the earth and photosynthesis and and you know whales that swim in the sea and all these things and our bodies to respire and then he made man in his image. He placed his character within us, you know, all his creation and then that part. Well, in the end, the creation that he made when sin came on took on a different form, as well as the rest of the earth. That's why he said, Okay, now Adam, for your transgression, the earth is going to be full of briars and needles and pins and things that poke your feet. All these problems now you're going to have is because the earth transformed. And and your problem is now you're going to die. See, before he couldn't die. So his, his body physically changed. And I, I say that as if I know. I don't know. I'm assuming that's what it meant. But his body took on a character kind of like that's why people like to call us mammals. Well, we're like these animals now that give milk they're young and we're, we have hair on our bodies and we are warm blooded. And that's why people want to say, Oh, well, see, we evolved from the animals. So it's like, no, we got degraded to be like the animals in a physical sense and we're going to die. Right. But in the, in the perfect world, you see, we're, we're debating when creationists and evolutionists debate these things, we're debating the shadow of the creation. We're not debating the actual creation. That's interesting. We, well, cause, yeah, because we haven't we haven't experienced it yet, and it's like okay, yeah, you know, evolutionists, you are right. Our bodies and animals have a lot of similarities because that's what happened when man sinned. But the real creation is something much more profound that goes well beyond DNA and the things that we think are so profound right now. You know, God just, oh, that was an easy thing for him. Let's create <laughs> DNA and let's have proteins replicate off the DNA. Uh, uh, yeah, that was just the shadow.
0: In the Oh, uh, If anybody hasn't watched Genesis, I think it's called Genesis Is It
1: History? Yeah, it's Genesis History.
0: Genesis yeah. History. is Genesis History. It's on YouTube. It's about an hour and a half long very well done very uh good quality mind blown man just mind blown in so many ways including the fourth dimension of dna
1: which (laughs) yes well so and there's several videos in that history we should link a couple of them up there's the first one which is about an hour and 40 minutes sounds long but it's it's like a documentary it's so well done but they've released several since then and it's every every one of them is excellent but They take this creation and they look at it from the evidence that, hey, Genesis talks of this flood. What can we see of all these things Genesis talks about in the pattern of creation? And it's just beautiful. Yeah.
0: Look for the long one because I think they broke them up into smaller ones as well. But there's one that's about an hour and 40 minutes that just goes from front to end that— it's a good Sunday afternoon with the family. It's, it's. I I've watched it several times.
1: In fact, that's what I did on Father's Day now uh, with a couple of my kids. I said, "Hey, if you guys just just watch ten minutes of this with me, you'll get hooked." You know, you see some of this stuff.
0: But, um, well, I did a good job of hijacking you out of ether
1: when you were talking about oh, it. go yeah.
0: back to this land because I want to wrap up. We're, we're almost at. Oh, we really? for for this session, go back to this land I'm and not gonna that,
1: let you start that music, Mike. That problem know. that. <laughs>
0: That's why I put you eight feet away. So I can hit the button. He can't stop me. The the this land um and that promise for this land.
1: So let's in reference up, to the new Jerusalem. Finish up ether. And, and again, my point isn't to confuse, but I I was sharing this to say that it might actually be that Genesis nine all along, this this extra information we've got about this Enoch City coming back is exactly what Ether in Revelation says is that when men keep all my commandments was not this commandment given, oh, if you if, have gathered into Jackson County. It's
0: not if then. It's, it's more just a, a picture of what's going to happen. Right, when, yeah. when men are keeping my commandments, Zion is going to come back.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's not
0: based on whether or not we make the mark or not.
1: Right. And even more limiting was this, uh, you know, uh, reference to uh, Zion could have been redeemed even now if you would have only. Well, that was a specific specific language given to the people who were in Jackson County who were probably deserving to be run out. Now, when you read some of the details of the history of that day, and it, it basically meant, hey, if you guys would have cleaned up your act, you could have removed or returned to Jackson County. Now, that's a separate thing, but we've taken that and we've coupled it with, I think, an incorrect understanding of Genesis 9 where the whole mantra of the restoration in our day is, if we could just keep the commandments that we would have had Zion already, you know, what's wrong with you, you know? And then so everyone goes home feeling a little dejected and we want to blame everyone else. And it's like, that's not what the scripture's been saying all along. So when we come back to, at least I don't think it is. And I, again, I'm saying I, I could be reading this wrong, and maybe it always has been that Enoch City is the first thing to return. And, and one argument for that is when you look at Ether, I'm sorry, uh, 3rd Nephi, chapter 10. Where it talks about this city that is built, and this is good to couple with Ether six in in Third Nephi chapter ten. When Jesus is speaking to the Nephites, he's speaking prophetically about the days when this city will be built. And what he says is, and I'm just going to read, and I, I, this is kind of one of my favorite go to scriptures is when he says, um, "If they will repent." Now that is. Hard to start there because you don't understand who the they is unless you read the previous scriptures. But the they is these Gentiles who rejected the gospel. And there's judgment. That's what 3 Nephi 9 discusses. But 3 Nephi 10 says, If they will repent and hearken to my words and harden out their hearts, I will establish my church among them. You know, It doesn't say reestablish or re-reorganize. And they shall come into the covenant and be numbered among this, the remnant of Jacob, um, unto whom I have given this land for their inheritance. So these are Jesus' words now saying the same thing as we find in Ether. The land of their inheritance, he's speaking to the people of Joseph, Nephi's descendants, on this land. And he says, the Gentiles, that's us, who repent, we get numbered among them. And then it says, I gave them their land for their inheritance, and they shall assist my people the remnant of Jacob, and as many of the house of Israel as shall come, that they may build a city which shall be called the new Jerusalem. So right there, we get the physical part of the city. And and then I was saying, you know, maybe Zion of in heaven comes down. Then by, by this scripture, if you jump ahead to verse 4, it says... You know, these people are going to gather into the new Jerusalem. And then it says, and then shall the powers of heaven come down among them. And I also will be in the midst. And then shall the work of the Father commence in that day when the gospel shall be preached among the remnant of this people. Now
0: that says the powers of heaven shall come down and I will be in their midst. So this is, I see the, the full authority of Jesus Christ coming down. Being in our midst, and I think I think that could possibly be the end of the parable of the olive tree, because then it says he then calls his servants and they labor together. Exactly. But he's called the Lord of the Vineyard, exactly. And so something has changed now, where there's there's no longer a master servant, but they've come together with the title Lord of the Vineyard, and he's he's not here to die this time. He's here in his Majesty and power to labor labor with his servants to exactly. establish a and more wonderful existence
1: exactly and this is this is i believe the beginning of the millennium in this sense of this or or it's prior to the millennium in that it's the time when the city is built the work begins where Jesus calls it, Isaiah calls it, the second time that God sets forth his hand to recover his people. And it's this word that's going to go out, and it's the words that have been sealed that we don't have yet that will go out. And he describes how... Then he uses the word commence, you know, about five times. Then shall the work commence among the dispersed of my people. That's verse five and verse six. And then shall the work commence among all the dispersed of my people. And verse seven, then shall the work commence. Let's use the the word begin
0: because I I still can't get past commences being in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Then shall the work begin. Yeah, right. And so uh, it's the beginning of this work to all the world. And I believe that's what Isaiah's. Describing where it says in chapter two,
0: I want to back up to that um, because I, I, I earlier was talking about the mindset of we would gather to, to independence in Jackson County and we would build Zion. That does use the word build, build city. in all fairness, but we're we are being numbered among them, them Joseph,
1: right? Which is which comes back to the the more urgent issue is that. The point of this Book of Mormon coming to the Gentiles wasn't that, you see, the story doesn't end the way we tell it, that we've been led to believe that because the Book of Mormon came to us, that we, this collective restoration as it stands right now, are the ones to build Zion. But if we read the Book of Mormon, the way this story is described in the Book of Mormon is that the gospel comes to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles have their time with it, but we put it on the shelf. We didn't, you know, I, I won't make a make a statement about that. We've talked about it already. But that the fact is that at that time the Gentiles reject the gospel is the signpost that it goes back to the remnant of Joseph and that the remnant of Joseph rises up in spiritual power much the way we read in earlier Book of Mormon stories where the Lamanites, who were the... You know, the, the filthy ones mm-hmm. who, who hated God all of a sudden have blessings higher than the Nephites. Well,
0: if, if we're staying in a linear progression here, uh, it sounds like the gospel will go back to a remnant of them. And then if we repent, we will be numbered among them and then we'll build a city. So it looks like there's going to be help, well, not even help, but it looks like there's going to be another people building the city and we get to assist if we're numbered among them, if we've repented. Right. But it, it also doesn't seem like this is the great, grand last gathering together, but it's it's, it's the a beginning. remnant. And then it says Christ comes back and then begins the gathering of all of his people and yes. all of the tribes and all of
1: the... Yes. So And this overlaps with 3rd Nephi, where I don't want you to lose your thought. I was just going to say where he says hey and then in the end I saw two churches. You see this is what's building up to that is when it says and God's people were on all the lands of the earth, you know? That isn't the story we tell when we're telling hey everyone's only in Jackson County, right? But this is how the all the stories dovetail us. when we read the Book of Mormon what it says is that this work goes out from mm-hmm. the city and then and then his people are everywhere in the earth. And then yet the powers of darkness are greater. His, the people of God are smaller, but yet they overcome.
0: And that's, so this is the ironic thing. And, and you've said a couple of times, I don't do this to cause despair or lack of hope. The ironic thing to me is as we let go of the idea that we're a chosen people with authoritative priesthood to build a holy city Zion starting at the temple lot and moving westward to expand across the country. If, if we let go of that notion for a minute and realize the proper place we have, I think the, the hope that maybe came from thinking we had this special thing and then kind of got dashed away when we saw this special thing fragment and dissolve, that hope comes back as we see a clearer, bigger picture. And as we let go of, the, of some of those notions I find more hope. Amen. I find more hope in the in the real, larger, bigger story, but I also see a resistance to that within the family and, and, and church family and people that I've shared my life with in different areas. I see a resistance to losing... Um, the vision that was established through our church history and everything that we thought might might be the be all end all story of how this is going to go down. I see a resistance to letting go of that.
1: Oh yeah, But until
0: we until we do, um, uh, we kind of wallow in this little hopeless situation right. amongst we, ourselves. We
1: keep going in these circles, like, well, to fix this, we have to get the prophet back in place, and we have to all do these things, and like, none of those things are scriptural. It's it's what you know, wishful thinking. But like you just said. The the real story when you see this 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 gives so much more hope and it makes me excited to think God your your plan was never thwarted this was your plan from the beginning mm-hmm. and, and the part we've kind of over uh, skipped over in our discussion is third Nephi nine however which is. Um, pretty serious in that it has a lot to say about the judgment on the Gentiles and that it says, you know, for your sorceries and your wickedness and all these things, you're going to see judgment that no one on the earth has ever seen. It's going to be worse than anything the heathen experienced, you know. And But it's for this purpose of cleansing the land to make this this new city come forth. And I think even if we can imagine just a smidgen of what that might be describing, it's it's going to change the landscape, I mean that in sort of like a spiritual prophetic sense, but also physical, is going to change change the landscape of this earth's history so much that people aren't going to really be remembering, hey, weren't we supposed to be, you know, you know wasn't it about buying all lands east of the temple or west of the temple? I just kind of think that's going to be this thing in the past. And then God's going to come and establish and we're gonna say, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. This is exactly yeah. what 3 Nephi 10 says.
0: That was, that was an interesting speck of time, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sand yeah. in the, in the grand scheme of the history of the earth.
1: Right, right. And there've been a lot of notions over time, but, but I don't want to dismiss or discount that because even Nephi makes a statement in his vision when he sees the gospel come to the Gentiles, you know, after this great church has caused the stumblings and then he sees this gospel return. He says, "And blessed are holy, and blessed and holy are they who seek to bring forth my Zion at that day." And I really think he's pointing to the people in our day who wanted God's kingdom more than anything. But he doesn't say, "And you and these guys will build it." You know, it never says the Gentiles are the ones to uh, authorize and be uh, mm-hmm. the sole authority of the kingdom. They take part in it, but it's after the remnant returns. And so that's the part, I think that's always been the disconnect. It's always like in every telling of the story, we always put ourselves in charge. Yeah.
0: And I think as, um, I think one of the things that helps as we look at, um, I mean, to be frank, I see a lessening of the importance of the quote restoration Mm -hmm. in the history of the world and what's coming forth is that kind of maybe reduces a little bit and kind of flows back into the giant picture we have a place the one thing that's connected to us that that was started you know thousands of years before Christ were the records of Christ, Christ's Christ's uh, the prophecies and um, God speaking to people and being recorded in engraved in metal and hit up that coming forth in 1830 we'll, we'll never lose uh, the connection with that story that's the story of the plain and precious gospel coming forth at the last days to help this final um, to help this final work go forth, and so that's our connection as the restoration was uh, was in, in Joseph Smith and the, the wonderful story and the angel and the plates and being translated by the gift and power of God to now have a recorded map and um, <laughs> law and yeah. governing word of God to teach us how to be in these last days, that's our connection. And that's enough for me. It's an amazing connection, but we have to be strong enough and we have to be uh, trusting enough and have enough faith in God to start letting go of the failures and the things that were given for a certain time that, um, you know, that didn't come forth because of sin, not just to the restoration, but that's the history of the world. How many failures by groups of people that just, didn't do what they needed to do. And it's almost like, once again, the law of Moses, God's showing us that without me, you're not going to, we can't fulfill my purposes. I have to be with you in power and spirit to help you do Mm -hmm. those things. So, but to sum it up in a great way, though, and and to sum this up, if I could just say why this gives me more hope, I see a lot of uh, excitement and things happening sooner than later. Like I thought, well, how are we ever going to get our act together and do this and that? And then we got to do this. And then finally, you know, Christ is going to come back after we figure it all out. It's like, as things get worse, I think that's telling me Christ is coming soon to help yeah. us get our act together. Yeah. And then we're going to participate if, if we repent in this
1: awesome finale, man. It is. It's hopeful. It's better than anything we ever planned. And, you know, he his promises are sure that these cities will be built. And when... Um, when they are built, there's going to be a lot of people walking each other home. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know if people listening thought this went by fast. This has I, to be one of the fastest hours of of any podcast we've done. It just I yeah. felt like I was flying through. Such and I don't great know promises. that we're done. You know? We're not, not done. We'll yeah. pick up here with the New Jerusalem. We've got a yeah. lot more to do with. I think with, we do with that. So yep. until next time, uh, I hope we can stay on track. Sometimes we come back together and it's something new is, but we have to come back to this new Jerusalem uh, picture. I hope so. All right. Thanks, guys.
1: I can't believe that was an hour. <laughs>